Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. I have some friends up here who are going to help me here in just a little bit, so you have to look like you're actually happy to be here. Some of us, I've watched the choir up here, some of us have that face that no matter what's going on, we look happy. I wasn't given one of those faces, so I got to work at that a little bit more. Some of you need to work at that a little bit more. But it's so good to see you here. Thanks for coming out. Um, for those of you who are visiting with us, maybe you're here with family. Thank you for coming. I know what that's like for family to show up and uh, to be able to go to church together. So thank you for that. For those who are joining us downstairs or online, it's good to have them with us as well. Uh, neat to be celebrating here, isn't it? For this month of December, as you can imagine, we have been talking about the Christmas story. We've been looking at it from a variety of perspectives. We've talked about different words that we find in Scripture that kind of pop out at us. Uh, the first one that we have looked at was a phrase, do not be afraid. And in that phrase, we saw that uh, in the story that that was used at least four different times by angels that were coming to say a message to somebody, tell them. And of course, you can imagine what that reaction would have been like. And no wonder the angels had to say, don't be afraid about this. Now listen to what I have to say. We talked also about the word blessed. This is a word that's applied to Mary, if you're familiar with the story at all. And she even calls herself, she says, I'll be blessed amongst all women. Like for generations, they'll consider me this way. And then uh, last week, we looked at the word savior. It's the, of the five different words that we're going to be looking at or phrases. This is used the least, but we saw last week how desperate it was for us. We needed a savior and thank God he has come. We'll talk about some of these today. I have a word that I want to start out with. Uh, and when they begin to read, you see if you can figure out what word we're going to be talking about today. So to get started, we have been... Uh, Looking at this verse in John chapter 1 and using this kind of like as our theme verse, it says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's what we're trying to do ourselves. He has already come, right? He, has, he became flesh. That's what this Christmas celebration is about. But there's something more to that. There's a reason behind all of that that we'll be talking about again today. He dwelt among us, and it says, and we beheld his glory. We were able to see some things that were marvelous for us. And, and John writes this because he was one of the witnesses. He was one of the individuals who saw all of this going on. That's what we're hoping to do as well, to kind of look at him and to see how awesome he is. This only begotten, the only unique one of the Father, full of grace and truth. So grace, if you're ready... Take us into it. Now, the birth of Jesus was as false. When his mother married, had been betrothed to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be a child by the Holy Spirit. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will, be con you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And, you'll sh and he will be great and called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. 
and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, even your bo- the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there's no room for them in the inn. In the same region there were some shepherds, staying out in the field and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of God shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid, for, behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there is born born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Wait, what's that? Oops. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men. Thank you, thank you all, very good, thank you. (laughs) That Chloe, I was wondering if I'd be able to get her off stage, she'd probably want to be teaching this right now. I love it, so fun, isn't it? Well, did you catch the word? If you picked up notes uh, coming in, you'll you'll see at the top there, it's kind of blank. We want to be talking about the word behold, that's what we're looking at here today. Behold. It's not a word that we use a whole lot in our language, is it? So let's get started with this. The word means to look or to see, and it has this idea of more than just a glance. It has this idea of gazing or um, looking with some intent. I illustrated it last night this way. So I have a son who's 6'5 now, and I don't do this with him anymore. But when he was a little boy, he would have a bit of an attention problem. You know what I'm saying, parents? So there were times when we wanted to communicate to him, and we wanted to, for him to kind of hear what we were saying, because we didn't want this thing of like, I didn't hear you, Dad, right? So, so we would get a hold of his face. And we would kind of cup it and we would point his face right towards us. And we would get him to like try, look at me, son, look at me, behold me, (laughs) right? Here's what I want to tell you. So this idea, and he would be doing one of these the whole time, just so you know, right? But the idea is, you know how when we hand something to you, here, hold this for me, and, and you hold it with your hands. Well, behold is more of like holding it with your heart or holding it with your mind, getting something wrapped around that and and having a look at that with some intensity. It has a bit of an idea of, like sometimes I'll come up to a stop sign, It's it's the normal red sign, what is it, an octagon or whatever that is, right? Like all these different red, like it's pretty normal, but sometimes you come up and there's one that's flashing. That's behold, that, that's getting our attention. That's something that's saying, hey, there is something important here 
And I don't want you to miss this. So when you look, don't just kind of, uh, you know, but, but think about this. Mull it over, carry on with it a little bit, and get a feel for what we're talking about. That's the word. Now, oftentimes, maybe you didn't catch it as the kids read through this. Oftentimes when we read, we don't actually read this word or it doesn't become conscious for us. I'm going to try to make it become conscious as we look at this Christmas story. So turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 1, or you can follow up on the screens if you would like. And we're going to uh, look into this word for a while, for a few minutes, and, and then I'm going to ask you to think about it. And the, the uh, worship team's going to be back here, and they're going to sing a little bit, and then we're going to kind of wrap it up together. So here it starts out, the first one that was read to us in Luke 1, verse 30. The angel said to her, speaking to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, there it is. Behold, you will conceive in your womb. Sorry, i got to tell you this. I was just talking to somebody, and they actually said that they would pay their child a dollar for every time that I use the word behold. So I'm going to use it a lot, just so you know. I love it. That's money well spent, isn't it? Ah, sorry. Mary, you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. There's an announcement. Now, this is pretty amazing. And no wonder he uses this word behold because he wants her attention on it. Consider this, Mary. Think about this for a bit. You are going to conceive and have a son. That was astounding news to her. And the reason it was astounding is because she had never had any relations with a man. So therefore, from a human perspective, this was not going to happen. We actually call this the immaculate I got to get this right. Conception, right? I'm saying I'm a Steelers fan. Sorry for those of you who aren't. But we have this thing called the Immaculate Reception. And that was actually, I didn't know this till yesterday, but 51 years ago yesterday, there was the Immaculate Reception. But over 2,000 years ago, there was the Immaculate Conception. And it blew away anything that Franco Harris could ever do, just to say it. This is amazing. And God wants her attention in this moment, but he records it in scripture so that he gets our attention too. Pay attention to this. Think about this for a minute. A woman is going to have a child in a way that has never happened before. In fact, the only way that this is possible, if the creator God does it, and so he did. And that's why it says there, you will bring forth a son and his name will be called Jesus and he will be son of the highest is who he is. That's an amazing statement, right? So it starts out then with us. The next verse then that we find this is the angel tells Mary, he says, now listen, just so you get this, so that you're paying attention to what I'm telling you, your cousin Elizabeth, she's also pregnant. It says here in verse 36, now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. And that word indeed right there, that's the same word that we're looking at here actually is translated behold. You could say, now behold, Elizabeth, your relative. Like, in other words, the angel is telling Mary, 
listen, Mary, just so you know, if you think this is difficult, let me just tell you, you have a cousin, Elizabeth. She has been barren for years and years, unable to have children. And now in her old age, now she's able. I thought about this some as I was studying this. This is some of the fun things of spending time in the word and just kind of regurgitating it over and over again, right? Here's a woman, think about this, enter into, into it with her. She has lived her life growing up as a girl, now become a woman, and guess what? One of the highlights of her life would be having children, but unable to have children. And year after year after year passes by, still unable until finally getting to an age where she realizes, you know what, this will never happen. Again, it's odd. In humanity, people at this age don't get pregnant. That's not something that's normal. It's happened a few times. When we read back through scripture, we'll find that it happened, right? But for her coming to a place of like, this is over. And you know what, as I thought about that, I thought, you know what, Lord, I don't think that you explained to her why that was going on all through those years. You just asked her to trust you is what you did. And now what a contrast between here's a woman who's unable to, and now she's pregnant. Guess what we know? That's of God, right? This doesn't just happen in the natural realm. That's of God. And that's what God is using then to say to Mary, listen, Mary, behold this. Think about this. Your cousin is pregnant. She's actually been pregnant for six months. That means like it shows, in other words, right? <clears throat> the scripture tells us that when Elizabeth got pregnant, that she hid herself for five months. So it's probable that Mary didn't know this. In fact, as this angel speaks to her, it would seem so. She didn't know that. What? This has happened. And so Mary goes to see her cousin. But before she does that, this is her response. Luke 138. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She's saying, hey, I, I want you to catch something here. I want you to know I'm in, right? I'm all there. It's kind of like um, sometimes when you are... Uh, trying to get someone to do something, right? Like maybe come up here and speak and no, I don't want to go do that kind of thing, right? And so, so you, you know it's going to be difficult. And so you say, hey, I got something here and I'd like for you to consider and just give it some thought. And maybe you would do this and, and you kind of lay out your plan and they say, okay. And you just, you're, you're so taken up with the trying to convince that you just keep on going, right? Like, but then it'll mean this and you'll have to do that. No, it's okay. But you know, I just want to make sure that you're good. I said, it's okay. Do you, oh, you are? Oh, good right? Well, Mary starts out with this word. It's her little sign flashing that says, hey, I'll do it. Let it be to your servant according to what you say. I'm willing in that. And there again is that word, behold, have a look at this. So now we have a willing participant who's going to go along with the plan of God. The problem was, is that there was an individual, a guy named Joseph, who was also part of this, 
right? He was actually married to this woman. I won't get into the details of the Hebrew marriage and what all that means, but in process, let's at least say that. And it says back in Matthew chapter one, it says, behold, while he thought about these things, like he knew, he learned that she was pregnant and he knew that he wasn't the father. And he's thinking, you know what? I think I'm going to break this contract. I don't think we're going to continue on with this, but I want to do this in a good way. And, and so while he thought about these and behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Isn't that interesting? God in the moment. Okay, now, right now, talk to him, say something. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And he becomes convinced this is the son of the most high. This is the one because the angel appeared to me. He told me these things so I can move forward in confidence of that. <clears throat> Last week, we looked in Luke chapter 2. The angel, or the angel appears now to shepherds, right? Out in a, in, a, in a field watching over their flock. And it says twice now, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. You're supposed to pay attention to that. You're supposed to see some of that. You're supposed to go, okay, something's unique here. There's a, there's a sign that's flashing. Something is causing us to go, hmm, let's have a look at that and more than just a glance. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This to me is like uh, of the beholds that we've been looking at. This is the grandest. This is the, th he says, so behold, I have good tidings of great joy. I'm going to tell you something that is out of this world. That's actually astounding. I love this word behold because it, it carries such a, a, a variety of things. Some of them are just a little bit off the, uh, you know, up the scale, so to speak, of after looking. It's like, no, we don't want to say just look. We want to say, hey, behold, behold, look, see this? But then there's some just like this that are like, they're like trumpeting that. Thank you guys for that. Like blasting it out there, right? Putting it out. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to everybody. And what is that? There's born to you this day, this very day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. All of these things are pointed. All of these things are designed to kind of cup our face and to get us to pay attention and to have a look at this. So I want to ask you something. I want you to be thinking about what are you beholding? This is what we're asked to behold. What are you beholding today? You think about that as the worship team leads us into a little bit more of this. Consider it and we'll be back. needed saving and though we tried and tried we could not save ourselves but God in his 
infinite wisdom provided a way. A way not mapped out by human hands, but divinely directed to change the course of history. Through his son, Jesus, salvation made its way from the thrones of heaven to the throes of humanity. Arriving not in splendor, but in simplicity, as a baby. This was not entirely what was expected, but it's exactly what was needed.
Thank you, worship team. I don't know if you realize this or not, but uh, the worship team's main job is to do exactly what this word is talking about, to behold him, to be considering and thinking about him. So what are you beholding? That's what I left you with. What is it that captivates your attention? When Tim came up, he was saying there's a lot of things that are competing for that. What would be characteristic of you? What's defining you as far as what are you beholding? Well, this Christmas story that we're celebrating and this word to behold doesn't make a whole lot of sense other than a nice, pretty story unless you know the end, right? Unless you know what the purpose of this child is for. Well, John the Baptist, that one who was born of Elizabeth, that John, right, the, the one, the baby, I didn't maybe mention that his name was John, Zacharias and Elizabeth had a boy. 
And he was going to be one who would pronounce the coming of the Christ. He was going to share that message. And he's ultimately known as John the Baptist. And for about six months, he was ahead of the Lord doing just that. It's interesting that it's recorded for us in the Christmas story that Elizabeth was pregnant for six months before Mary got pregnant. So there's this perfect gap that the Lord has created, perfect timing. And now John has started his own ministry and he's going around different places where there's water and he's proclaiming, repent, change your mind about something here because the kingdom of God is at hand. He's telling them and people are flocking to that and they're being baptized in identification with all of that message. And John is standing there and this is what the gospel of John records for us in verse 29 of chapter 1. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, here's our word, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He pointed him out. He had a whole group of people around him. He had his own disciples. He had those that were coming to be baptized. There's a bunch of them there. And here comes Jesus. Now, if you read through this text, it actually tells us later on in this chapter that John didn't know him. John didn't recognize him. John didn't, he was a cousin, but they were separated by miles. <clears throat> and he sees him and he points to him and he says, right there, behold, there is the Lamb of God. Now, every Jew who was listening to him would have immediately correlated with the Lamb of God with, hey, I bring a lamb as a sacrifice. Every year I've got to do this, right? And now John's pointing him out. <clears throat> this term is actually written in the singular, meaning that even though he's speaking to a whole group of people, he's saying to everyone, you, look, right there. See him? Do you? You, look, right there. You have everyone, singular. Behold, consider this one, it's not too much longer. In fact, it's the very next day that again, he's standing there with two of his disciples and along comes Jesus again. And he says these same words, behold, the lamb of God, right there he is. And those guys have enough sense to say, John, we love you. It's been fun hanging out with you. See ya. We're following him. We're going after him. And they leave John and they become disciples of the Lord. Why? Because someone got a hold of their face and pointed them in the right direction. And there he is. This is the one. Notice what it says. He says, he is the lamb of God. He is going to, that means he's going to have to be slain just like every other lamb has to be slain. Who takes away the sin of the world. Now, if you'll notice that word sin, you'll notice that it doesn't say the sins of the world. There's an intentional singularity about this as well, meaning that each one of us have to behold. We have to look to him for something. Something has been blaring out there, right? A, a sign that's shining for us. Behold, pay attention to this. Do you see what I'm talking about? Right there's the Lamb of God. He's the one. He's the only one. In Matthew, when he records some of this, he actually tells us that th it's only this one. There is no other way. 
the Lamb of God, and guess what? He takes away the sin of the world. All within the world, he can take the sin away from you and you and you and you and you, everyone. All we have to do is put our confidence in what he did for us. And that's why we have to complete the story of the celebration of his birth. It wasn't just because a baby's born, as wonderful as that is. I've just had my 10th grandchild born to me. It's a marvelous thing. Mike up here, he's just had his first. <laughs> Doesn't he look like he's got that glowing grandpa look to him? <laughs> right? Behold. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. <clears throat> but as wonderful as that is, there's a culmination to that story. That this one, this Lamb of God, came and died on a cross and shed his blood. And the reason he did that was because sin had to be paid for by death. I either had to do it for myself or someone else had to do it for me. And as nice as you people are, you couldn't do that because you got your own sin problem. But this one, this Lamb of God, born of a virgin, right? Born by the Holy Spirit coming upon her, this one, perfect man, perfect God, able to die and pay for my sin and pay for your sin too. And all we have to do is say, I, I have confidence in that. I believe that what, what uh, Jesus did satisfied the heart of God the Father. The payment that was required, he said, that's sufficient for me right there. And all I do is say, God, <laughs> I agree. That's true. I trust in that. I believe that he died for me. And in the doing of that, I become a child of the king. Now, Romans chapter 9, verse 33, gives us a little bit of a warning. It actually is a warning that it's rehearsing that comes from the Old Testament. In other words, this happened years and years ago in preparation for this. This is what he says. Paul is writing this, and he says, as it is written, now he's going to quote, behold, okay, you catch that word again? There's a cha-chink, another dollar right there. Behold... I lay in Zion, in Israel, a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. I'm going to put this down, and guess what? To some people, it's going to be a stumbling stone. When I was in my younger years, I would go hiking all the time. And it's interesting to me how as, as the day would wear on and I would kind of get a little tired and I'm not paying as close attention to the trail and stuff, there would always be these roots that were the same color as the ground, right? Like, like right there, and they were only this high off the ground, and sooner or later I'd trip over one, just stumble. Not enough to cause me to fall over necessarily, but to kind of like a little bit of a hiccup, a little bit of a, mm, ah, that wasn't so good, Right? a stumbling stone, and then there's a rock of offense. Do you know that the Bible claims that this unique son, this one and only son, is the only means for salvation? That's a pretty audacious claim, don't you think? Like to say that, you either got to be smack on right, right, or a bit of a lunatic. And there's a lot in this world who consider that to be lunacy, Oh, God's a loving God, and there's many ways to him. Not so. And when this message is put out, guess what it becomes? A rock of offense. You offend me to have the audacity to think that your way is the only way to God. And we say, well, it's not our way. It's, it's what God says, right? 
it's, it's what his word says. We're just telling you that this is what God has claimed, and he knows. And so for some of us, this becomes a, a stumbling stone or, or a rock of offense. But the verse goes on to say this, and whoever believes in him, whoever has confidence in that, that what he did for me, I, I trust in that. Whoever has confidence in that, who believes on him, it says, will not be put to shame. Another word for that is not disappointed. In other words, you're never going to get to this place of like, well, hey, God, you promised me that if I trusted in what your son did, you would give me salvation. And now you're not going to do that? I'm disappointed in you, God. That's never going to happen. So we're left with this, ah, where are we going to be? What are we, what are we beholding? What are we looking at? What are we hearing as far as the, the sirens going off and the flashing lights going off? And what, what are we considering? Oh, is this just a rock of offense to me? Can you believe the audacity that they would think that way? Or is this actually something that if I put my trust in that, guess what? No disappointment, no shame, none whatsoever. Well, when does that happen? In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, again, we see quoting from Old Testament scripture. Paul writing says, We then as workers together with him, with God, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. You've been hearing a message. This beholding him is actually one of grace. It's not something that you deserve. When you look at Mary, guess what? She understood that too. You, you talk about Zacharias and Elizabeth who had little John the Baptist, right? They understood that too. People like Simeon and, and Anna who were up at the temple, we didn't even talk about them. Older people who were waiting that God said, hey, to Simeon, you'll, you won't even die until you see the Savior. Guess what? Grace. Grace, undeserved grace poured out. He said, do not receive the grace of God in vain. Don't hear this and just, and just eh. But behold it, give it due consideration, in other words. For he says, and now he's, he's going to quote, he's going to go back into the Old Testament. This is what the Old Testament says as a reminder way back then for this day, for this message. For he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, there it is again, now is the accepted time. Behold. Now is the day of salvation. In other words, God is offering that to us right now. He's making it possible for you and I to place our trust in what this baby Jesus did as he grew up and 33 years later goes to a cross and dies for us. That might be old news to you. You, you might be celebrating Christmas for the how many nth time, right? Knowing this story that I've told you. I'm 50, sorry, eight, I think I am, something, sorry. I have known this story all of my life. It's just, in fact, as we're singing some of these songs, I'm thinking, oh Lord, I have sung these songs so many times, but they are so much more meaningful to me today than they were when I was a child. In the repetition of that, we've talked about familiarity kind of takes away that awe, but somewhere along the line, God begins to get a hold of our hearts and guess what? That all returns. Wow! The dawning of a new day right here. The celebration. And so Christmas becomes even that much more precious to us. Well, this behold applies to us too. If we've already put our trust in Christ for our salvation, 
it applies to us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, this is what it says. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is the verse that first captivated my heart, that helped me to see this word behold. My father-in-law told me last night, he said afterwards, he said, you know, I've read that word and I've just glossed right over it. Didn't even think about that. And you helped me to kind of put it right out there. Yeah, I'm in that same boat. Why am I looking at this little word behold? Because of this verse right here for me as a believer. In every other time that I have spoken about this, as far as the Christmas story is concerned, that is written in a momentary thing. Like, in other words, behold, there he is, right there. And then he passes on when John says that to him. But here, this one, this changes. This one is in the present tense, meaning that it's supposed to be an ongoing thing for you and I. It's not just a Christmas moment. It's not just when we stop and we read the Christmas story out of Luke 2 before we open our presents. Those are just in a moment. This, church is for you and I to be beholding now, and now, and now, and now, and now, and I would keep on going to present that accurately to you. Look at what it says. I'm asking you, what are you beholding? What is it that you're looking at? If you don't know him as your savior, you need to behold him that way. But if you already know him as your savior, then this is the beholding for you. We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, what? The glory of the Lord. Do you remember John, in chapter 1, verse 14, do you remember what he said? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And what? We beheld his glory. There it is. There's the statement right here, same thing. We're beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. When we look at him, something happens. It is important for us to behold because what we behold is what we become. If you behold the world, if you behold some of the things that Tim talked about, guess what? That becomes saturated in you. That's what you become. If the values of the world are what you're gazing upon, is what you're considering, then you become that. But here he's saying, beholding the glory of the Lord. He's no longer walking this earth. We, we don't do that because there's someone who says, hey, see that guy? That's him right there. Oh, that's not happening. But beholding, remember, is in the mind and in the heart. It's not in the hand anymore. We don't hold him, but we can behold him. We can consider him. We can be thinking, this is what you did. This is amazing. I'll cheat and I'll tell you, it's not just a little while here. It's just a few days after he says these things in, in, first, or in John, rather, that guess what? The Lord gives the first miracle and changes water into wine. And guess what it says? We saw his glory. And there it is, right? And so it begins. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord check this out, are being transformed. A change is occurring. As we consistently and constantly 
behold him, that the mind and the heart are taken up with him, that we're gazing with intent because there's something that's flashing. And it's not that we're giddy little children looking for the toy. It's because that flashing has caught our attention and we recognize within this one the preciousness. That's actually what he's called, right? An amazing savior. And as we behold him, this is what the word says. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of God, as we behold him, the Spirit of God changes us into his likeness. That the very life of Christ is displayed then through our life. That, my friends, is amazing. That means there should be angels singing over that too, right? A change within you, a change within me, all because we're beholding. <clears throat> In the Old Testament, when Moses was bringing the children out of the, out of the land of Egypt, <clears throat> there were times when they were disobedient and God sent some snakes, poisonous snakes to punish them. And God told Moses, he said, hey, I want you to form a snake, like a, an, an image of a snake, and I want you to put it up on a pole. And I want you to tell my people that when they get bit by that snake, they're to look at that, they're to behold it. In other words, they're, they're to consider that what I've said is if they'll look at that trusting me, that, that they won't die from that bite. If they don't, if they decide that they're going to maybe suck the blood or try to get it out some other, give it a shot or whatever they used in those days, no, that wasn't going to work. It was only trusting me. That was it. And that was, that was a sign, another example, because here Christ was going to come, and guess what was going to happen? He was going to be lifted up on a cross. And for salvation, just as they had to behold that serpent in order to, to live, so it is for our salvation. But church, believers, guess what? He's still being held up. We beheld, that's what John says, we beheld his glory. It's incumbent upon us to be beholding him today, not just because of Christmas. That's just a, that's just a picture of a time frame, but an ongoing consideration. Our God came and died for us and has provided life for us. And so this is the invitation. Come, let us behold him. Let us consider him. And let it be a present tense, ongoing consideration. Why? Because our God has met our greatest need. He has provided for us more abundantly than any gifts will ever provide for us. And he has made us his own. We now belong to him. How amazing is this, huh? Let's behold him. Thank you. <clears throat> Revelation 21, 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, 
and God himself will be among them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And then he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true.